and welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are qualified London Blue Badge tourist guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a whole lot of laughs and a lot of fun. I said that wrong, (laughs) didn't I? Let's go with it. It's fine. Let's just go with it. It's a lot lot of fun. Uh, We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our websites, guideemily.com and alexlacey.com for information about our upcoming walking tours. Well, not really walking tours at the minute, virtual tours. (laughs) Tudor puzzle boxes, uh, as well as what the Blue Badge Guiding Qualification is all about. Hello, Emily. Hello, Alex. How the devil are you? Good. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Are you okay? I mean, you know, it is what it is. We're all good, aren't we? We're we're carrying on. Exactly, exactly. And has there been anything kind of, you know... um, uh that's happened this week anything poignant or <laughs> not, not, not really. oh well, i tell you the only thing that's happened is that i've um finally launched my um kind of escape room style <sighs> game which is i'm so excited about it um which went live yesterday um it's i've called it a kind of tudor puzzle box but it's basically a bit like an escape room uh there's codes and uh to crack <sighs> and there's all sorts of like clues and hidden stuff and it's kind of based around the tudors it's that the premise is that uh the jewels the gems of Bloody Mary have been lost and <gasps> essentially crack codes and things to find them and it links to Bloody Mary and the six wives of Henry VIII. So oh fantastic. It sounds, brand. <laughs> it sounds quite like um I don't know like the crystal maze. Yeah it's, it's kind of that sort of thing I guess really. Um, yeah have you, you've not done escape rooms before? No and I know that you're a big fan so no. I'm, I'm gonna have to gonna have to do a couple yeah it, they're getting involved it's just it's about kind of thinking laterally and um yeah, you have an hour to to be able to crack all the codes and um mm. yeah it's great and the people who've done it so far have been really uh um fulsome in their in their praise so that's really lovely <laughs> so there we go <laughs> excellent oh that's so good and people can book um as a group is that right yeah Alex? so it's for one to six players um oh. and uh, it's on my website, alexlacy.com forward slash Tudor. And you can find it all there. And yeah, it's £40 if it's one to four people for the whole game, not per person. And £50 if it's five to six people. And it's great fun because you can have people, you know, six different devices tuning in. And, and yeah, so people from all over the place. So, uh, yeah, come and have a, have a bit of fun. Yeah, absolute bargain. Brilliant. What about you? What have you been up to? Oh, gosh, what have I been up to? Where have I been? What have I seen? Um, to be honest, I've had a very quiet week. Um, <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> yeah, I've actually kind of done my back in, so I can't really oh, walk no. too much at the moment. Um, but it's been okay because it's not been too nice outside That's here in London, has it? It's a bit pants. It's a bit grey. So, um, yeah, I've just been keeping warm. I've been watching a couple of new Netflix series. Lovely. I mean, it's, it's what January is all about, isn't it? Particularly yeah. this year, let's face it. Yeah, exactly. Stay Made home, some homemade Netflix. pesto. That was a bit of a highlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might have to drop some of that at my door, I think. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Well, thank you everyone for coming back uh, this week. It's lovely to see you. Is that a thing? It's lovely to yeah, have Yeah, I can see them in my mind and they all look okay. lovely. <laughs> and, and that one person looks lovely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you all for coming back um it's a real treat and we're we're thrilled that you're uh, you're still supporting us um so uh where, where were we last week what did we do well we were talking about um the leather trade we were in bermondsey we were talking about animal dung dispatch boxes <laughs> um <laughs> did you enjoy it last week alex yeah, i loved it i particularly loved how excited <laughs> you got about people robbing 
dog poo into leather. <laughs> well, I just think, you know, it's resourceful and <laughs> I applaud that. <laughs> Waste not, want not, right? <laughs> it's not, want not. Bring that back, is what I say. Yeah. Well, well um, done. So um, that was what you went with for your uh, podcast pedestal. It is. I couldn't hold myself back. It was, of course, going to be animal dung all the way. <laughs> it was, because nobody died in last week's one, so there was nothing like that for no. you to choose. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the people going on Instagram and seeing that, you know, without actually listening to our podcast, must have probably been put off our podcast for the rest of their lives because of that. So I apologise. We're not selling it here, are we? No, I've probably lost us a couple you of like viewers. animal poo. Have we got a podcast for you? <laughs> it's really <laughs> anyway that was your pick um Mm -hmm. which i thought was a brave pick but you went with it and i went with the red leather dispatch boxes which is what the bermondsey leather used to make uh you know so iconically british and they they'd gone from being made in a really poor quite grubby area to you know gracing the desks of the great and the good the the monarch and the politicians and um and all that kind of thing so that was yeah that was my pick very true how do you think it went? You, you um, are currently ahead, aren't you? Um, I'm currently ahead with seven and, six. Um, yeah, and you're not very gracious about it either. Uh, no, big pat on my back. Well done, Em. Um, <laughs> uh, but to be honest, oh, I think, you know, when I was writing the the poll, I did think, oh, you know, I probably should have gone for dispatch boxes. I can't even say it. Dispatch boxes myself. Um yeah, I think I've let myself down this week. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, great. Well, we had one one of the options got 75 votes and one of the options got 52 votes. Okay. So still, you know, if it's even, if it's the lower amount, I mean, 52 people are as horrible as me. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, it is the lower amount. I won oh. the yeah! Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Animal doing. dung. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> Oh, never mind. But well done, Alex. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm very gracious in uh, in my win. Uh, couldn't have happened to a nicer person. <laughs> <laughs> and that means we're even Stevens again, are we? She's actually standing up and bowing. Like, for heaven's <laughs> sake, Alex, get over it. 7-7, seven, seven, yes. 7-7. Seven, 7-7. Seven. Seven, seven. Well, that's good, you know. All to play for. Yes, all to play for. And this week, remind us, Alex, where we are going. Where, where did the wheel land? Right, well, it landed in Clerkenwell. Oh, it did. Which is a really cute area, actually. Um, hmm. Very close to St Paul's Cathedral. And an area that's not usually visited that much by tourists because it's there's nothing really in there that, unless you're kind of going full-on history and you're kind of going for a, a rummage around some of the really old streets and kind of looking for old London history, hmm. um, you know, the, the big there's no big stuff there, really, for tourists to go and visit. There's no kind of museums or anything like that. Um, but it is incredibly beautiful. I love it there. Um, and I thought that because we haven't done any history of people for a little while, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to uh, pick up a woman who has a blue plaque uh, in Clerkenwell, uh, a lady called Amelia Edwards. Um, so she, the plaque is at number 19 Wharton Street in, in Clerkenwell. And this is where she lived uh, with her family well for you know quite a few years um, obviously her early years and it's where she started out so this this lady is incredibly interesting um firstly let's start with the dates always a good place to kind of place her in history uh she was born in 1831 and Mm -hmm. died in 1892 so we're talking victorian age here we're talking the age of discovery we're talking enlightenment we're talking about people getting a a sense of what's going on around the world, what has been going on in history and all that kind of stuff. And Amelia um, 
is right on in there with um, with this. Now, um, really interestingly, she, I mean, she's a bit of a, a I don't want to say polymath, well, I suppose a polymath really. Not She was very big in lots of different areas, uh, particularly kind of in the arts. So she started out as um, a writer, a poet. Mm-hmm. Um, and amazingly, what, what do you think is your, the prime age to have your first poem published? Well, well, in the 19th century, I'd say you probably got to get to at least about your 20s, maybe mid-20s to get noticed and recognised. Well, seven for Amelia. <gasps> seven? Seven years a poem published and uh, her first story at uh, 12. So she's doing Gosh. pretty well. And she wrote loads of novels and she painted as well. Um so she's writing poems, she's writing books and she's painting and, and really, you know, she's got a really curious mind. And, and mm. this is the thing is when we talk about women, particularly in the Victorian era, because in history for so long, women have been um, a side note, really. They've often been very instrumental in stuff, but haven't always had the headlines. And it takes it kind of a lot of the women come out in the Victorian era because this is when obviously emancipation of women is starting up. Um, we have the the. Um, the fight for um, the right to vote amongst women uh, mm-hmm. starting in the 1800s. We have women starting to realise that they might have options other than just being somebody's wife. Um, and so this is, you know, it's it's a fantastic time for seeing uh, these women push through and and smash glass ceilings or, or you know, at least a coffee table on, on route, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, and this is exactly what Amelia Edwards does. Now, all of these novels that she's been writing and she, you know, she was not somebody who just sort of made stuff up and put it out there on the page. She spent so much time and effort on the setting of her novels, the backgrounds, and she wanted to kind of research really in depth. So she took off um, and did lots of traveling, particularly after her parents died. And when she was 30, both of her parents died and she didn't really have anything holding her in England. um, Mm -hmm. And there was nobody there to kind of have an opinion or nobody, you know, close enough to her that she cared about uh, on whether or not traveling as a single woman uh, around the world uh, would, you know, be there to criticize or to kind of say, oh, I don't think you should be doing that. Now, there's something as well about Amelia, which is uh, interesting for women of the time, is that she was also gay. Um, and this is something that it would appear that bio- modern biographers have sort of skated over a little bit. Um, but she lived uh, with for over, over 30 years her, um, well, we can only assume her other half, Ellen Drew. Um, and apparently she was very open about her sexual orientation, which for the 1800s is, is quite a big deal. Um, mm. I think she got quite a bit of criticism but like I say, modern biographers tend to sort of say, oh, well, she travelled with a friend, um, mm. which, you know, is a bit is a bit weird. But anyway, so we have Amelia Edwards, who is gay, and she's also buried with um, Ellen Drew as well. Oh, um, OK. Yeah, so, in London? No, in Bristol. Okay. Actually, her um, her memorial is quite interesting. She's um she died uh, in Western Supermare, which is down on the south coast, mm. and she is buried in Bristol, and her grave has this... Uh, kind of Egyptian obelisk and a stone ankh on it, which is the Egyptian symbol of life. Um, oh. It's the kind of, if you know, the, the it's like a cross, but it's got a sort of loop at the top. Oh, that's, yes. That's what it looks like. Yeah. So that's what she has on her grave. And the reason she has this is because Amelia Edwards is a very important woman in Egyptology. Now, we haven't discussed Egyptology yet uh-huh. up until now, because it kind of happens... Her love of Egyptology um, happens slightly by accident, really. Um so I mentioned that she spent a lot of time uh, 
traveling and researching and she'd you know set a book in america and go there and then you know set one in england and she'd sort of what you know tootle around and and she was really you know one of the really important things for her was to make sure that things were accurate and then um she went off traveling so when her parents died she picked up with ellen drew and they went off Mm-hmm. And she traveled, oh my goodness, they went all over the place. She went a really big uh, trip through Italy, through the Dolomites, which at that point now a very popular walking destination, but back then was actually quite undiscovered. So she went there um, and they went through sort of, you know, had awful conditions, like terrible roads, really hun- kind of quite a lot of hostility from the men uh, in in the places they were staying, all the villages women traveling alone and all sorts of stuff and they absolutely loved it they absolutely loved and it's kind of hardship of traveling and getting to places that were untouched or inaccessible Mm, because that must have been you know pretty expensive I guess I mean was she at this point I mean of course her parents have died so maybe they've left her a little bit of money but in terms of her art and her 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 writing ability do you know that she sold you know she sold her creative work for money yeah, absolutely. Particularly her her books. I don't know about her paintings so much, but uh, yeah, she had bestsellers. Mm. She had quite a few bestsellers actually, and they really set her up. So she was financially um, stable enough to be able to live independently. And basically, if she wants to take off somewhere, <gasps> off she went. She wow. had that financial um, independence mm. to just get up and go. And like I say, once her parents had died, there was no one there to say, oh, you know, and, and sort of suck their teeth at her and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So all bets are off, off you pop. And so that's what they did. And then what she would do is she would write, she would chronicle what she, what they were uh, doing as they were traveling um, and then publish them as books. So, you know, it's, it's this kind of, she's one of the sort of first female travel writers, I guess, really, which is really quite cool, I think. Mm. Um, but she ends up in, in Egypt and it's slightly unusual. Well, it wasn't planned, basically, the way, the, the, way that she gets to Egypt they were um she and Ellen were on a walking tour in France and the whole thing basically was rained off there was just huge amounts of heavy rain and they just thought stuff it um oh sorry she wasn't with Ellen at this point she was with a lady called Lucy Renshaw and so they decided that rather than stay in a washed out France they were going to hop on a boat and head over to Alexandria and they got there they spent a couple of days in quarantine that sounds familiar. Uh, and then they went on to Cairo. And this is where Amelia starts to see the Egyptian uh, monuments for the first time. And apparently the Great Pyramid was just impressed her so much that she said she was completely overwhelmed by it. And it was just it, it gave his huge sense of awe and wonder. And she was completely taken aback and immediately in love with mm. uh, with Egypt and everything it had to offer. Wow. Have you been? Have you seen it yourself? No, I never have. And I... I would really, really like to. I, it's, the history of Egypt is not something I know a huge amount about, but I've been watching loads of documentaries on it in uh, in lockdown and I'm starting to get a little bit um, obsessed with it. So yeah, it's somewhere I'd definitely like to go. Especially with this story now that you've researched her, like to yeah. think, oh, you know, she was so taken back to the point that she, you know, uh, presumably changes what she wants to do later in life yeah absolutely and actually there was um, a newspaper article either out today or yesterday i can't remember now that said that they've just recently unearthed a whole about 100 more tombs in saqqara in the valley whoa so you know there's all there's stuff happening all the time in egypt mm. it's, it's really exciting to um yeah to think about that so yeah she and you say she she changed what she did she kind of didn't actually well she did but she didn't she carried on writing and one of the things she did is when they got to Egypt 
they hopped on uh, a boat with a group of other travellers and they did a cruise, essentially a cruise down the Nile from Cairo down to Abu Simbel. Uh, and so they went through Saqqara and Luxor and Nubia and all these kind of places. And she wrote about it. She did the same that she'd done in the other places. She wrote a book called A Thousand Miles Up the Nile. And it was a bestseller. And what she did is she illustrated it with her own paintings and drawings. Oh, God. Oh, I really want to look at this. Yeah. Now, it, uh, I did read in a couple of places that it was still in print today. And I tried to look for a copy because I thought it might be quite interesting to read. It does yeah. seem that you can only I don't think it's currently in print. So I think you can only get older copies of it. Um, okay. I might have a little look for one of those. But there we go. Hmm. Um and one of the things that Amelia Edwards realised as they were going through and having a look at all these amazing monuments and stuff, you know, we're talking about a time when people are travelling, um, kind of the advent of travel, really, and, and, and people going abroad and to, to see stuff, tourism, really. Um, and as she was going on this, this cruise and they were seeing all these amazing things, she, she now, this is where we sort of, there's a bit of a fetishization, I think, of people in history which is done from our perspective now and one of the things one of the narratives that comes up and there are quotes from her is that she was very um kind of peeved by the vandalism and the exploitation of all of these kind of different monuments now one of the things that she said is she hated that um the tourists were carving all over them you know jeff was here kind of thing and and she was she thought that was really just not on um but she also said that students of Egyptology were, were sort of taking wet sponges and were sort of, um, you know, in, a, in an effort to find stuff out, were kind of removing all of the, the paint and, and the original colour. And they said that the collectors, uh, which she did in, um, in air quotes, um, were buying up bits and taking it away and they were sort of chopping out sections and shipping them off to museums and blah, blah, blah. Now, mm. there, there's, this is quite a sort of a, a topic that's open for quite a lot of debate really as to whether or not and this is one that rages and I have regularly with a friend of mine about whether um artifacts should be in the country of their origin or whether they should mm -hmm. be in the museums that they are currently and that's you know it's not a debate we're going to get into today but it's quite interesting because Amelia Edwards this really inspired her to set up something which committed to kind of on-site conservation of all of these monuments that she felt were getting degraded. And she founded, with um, a friend actually, a thing called the Egypt Exploration Fund. It was founded in 1882. And the aim was, um, she sort of said that it was to have a, a protective and exploratory function. So essentially to protect all the stuff that was over there, keep it in situ and, um, you know, and explore more about it as well. However, this doesn't quite hold um, as much water as we make it sound now because she herself did bring back Egyptian artifacts to the UK. And, oh. you know, and there, there was a big old thing of grave robbing and, and finding all these graves at the time and uh, so many big, you know, Seti and, and everybody, Tutankhamun, of course, as well, later on, mm. who, uh, who get discovered. And she was there for some of that and she was also discovering things and, and taking stuff back to the UK. So there's an element of seeing conservation differently, I think. And, 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 and also one of those things about thinking, Oh, this is in Egypt. They're not looking after it. So we know better. We'll take it, hmm. which is a difficult point because you kind of think it's ultimately it's their artifacts hmm. and they should be able to do it anyway. 
what this leads to is so she sets up this this um, fund and this is still going today actually um it's called the um egypt exploration society now and it's an archaeological non-profit still going and because she had you know she'd got all this money and she decided that that's the thing often with women in the victorian period they are able to be philanthropic and put things into place if they've got money that's mm. what well, i was going to say like how easy um would it have been for her to convince people you know if they're just doing what they think they should do you know and not really being aware that they're taking layers of the paint off and all this kind of thing um to convince them to do otherwise but then i guess if she's pushing it forward money wise then yeah. mm. don't forget those egyptologists aren't necessarily egyptian they're mm. probably western they're probably you know french english german all the you know uh, so yeah. it's yeah so the aim was for her to to conserve all of these things so one of the things she did is that um she set up a um a thing which was called it was essentially a chair um in university college london which is where we have a very important museum um egyptian museum which is the petrie museum now mm-hmm. and one of the things that she did now this is a bit of a, an, an odd one. So when she died in 1892, so only four years after she set up this fund, she bequeathed her entire collection of Egyptian antiquities. So there we go. She's already, you know, she's taken stuff mm. and £5,000. She bequeathed that to UCL. And this formed the basis of their Egyptology department. <gasps> Gosh, now, how much did she take? Well, actually, I mean, her collection is nothing compared to what they uh, they have in the museum there's no any of the size of it now so i don't no. know exactly how much she had but she definitely didn't have one or two things like it was you know but Whoa. it was also not a vast vast treasure hall but still no, but she, it was enough to start it off oh yeah absolutely absolutely and she endowed um the chair in egyptology as well which was the first in the uk and she gave this um chair the reason she sort of put this chair into place was because she wanted to uh, ensure the employment of a guy called Flinders Petrie. Now, the name Petrie, Petrie Museum, he ends up Mm -hmm. um, creating the Petrie Museum at the UCL, which is a hugely important Egyptian museum now. Um, Petrie is an incredibly problematic character, very, very problematic. He has some very unsavoury views. um, And he is one of those, you know, I take a um, a leaf from my, uh, or a, a phrase from my, um, lovely friend and colleague uh, Savadra, who is works at the Petrie Museum, and she said, you know, if you were to think of Flinders Petrie, uh, all you need to do is think of one of those uh, the kind of the classic British adventurers in the sort of the, the the desert slacks and the and the little helmet. That is Flinders Petrie. That's him. Mm-hmm. Um, so very much a kind of classic Brit um, or British explorer, I should say sticks out like a sore thumb in Egypt and, and believes that he knows best. And he does have some very unsafe views. We're not going to go in, into him today because that's a very long conversation. Um, I'm visually but, imagining him to look like, you know, the uh, the guy from Jumanji. Yeah, a bit like, like the one with the gun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly it. And that's that kind of classic view of it. So, um, yeah, very, very problematic. But ultimately, if it weren't for Amelia Edwards, we wouldn't have the Petrie Museum. And of course, the Egyptology department at the UCL has been very, very instrumental in loads and loads of research in uh, Egyptology. So, you know, nothing's black and white, but um, it is a a very important, um, you know, legacy that she has. So this this society still remains. and uh yeah so she died in 1892 mm-hmm. um and was buried with um her 
her companion partner lover uh, ellen drew so there we go wow gosh what a woman i mean it was i mean this is the thing i love these women who are just sort of you know in the particularly in the victorian period who are like oh, i want to go do this i'm gonna go and do it mm. and stuff what the lot of you think because she got quite a lot of you know very sort of sexist and misogynist uh, comments from people in the industry and and all the kind of classic stuff you'd imagine really being a woman in a very male dominated world she got mm. a lot of that and she proved them all wrong you know she got stuck in God, and, and good on her good on her yeah. right and i guess that yeah she just seems like the kind of person that just wanted to absorb as much from the world as possible yeah and I, i'd love to to read some of her poetry or you know the things that she wrote down when she was in egypt i think it yeah. must be so interesting to actually, read her, her pictures are beautiful i've had a look mm, yeah i really want to look at they them are really lovely they're, they're really full of character mm. and she was painting pretty much anything she saw so it's not just the egyptian ruins she's also painting um the people who are uh, sailing the boats she's painting mm-hmm. people at the markets like it's really lovely um and they're very very full of character um and and very respectful as well i think as well it's, it's mm-hmm. not the kind of thing that they, she's done in any kind of caricaturish way and what about her what does she how would you describe her in appearance um probably pretty classically victorian really mm. she's got a really lovely face actually she's got quite sort of kind eyes mm. um, but she's also got that look about her that is kind of you just would it's not that you wouldn't want to cross her it's more that you she's, you she's her face that she's mm. confident in what she's doing she knows mm-hmm. she knows what she's up to and she's not going to bend for anybody and i like that like you okay oh we got a strong one here <laughs> oh no i'm a total wuss oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, well gosh she sounds fantastic so i love that when you hear about someone and you think immediately oh god i really want to i really want to really see what what mm. she did i want to you know read her yeah. poems and see her drawings yes yeah, so if you want to see her blue plaque that's number 19 wharton street in clerkenwell oh, and yes. then um and then of course you've got the ucl and, the, and ultimately the petrie collection which theoretically isn't hers there might be some bits of hers in there i don't know actually um mm. but it, it that's kind of her legacy really so uh yeah. brilliant alex and if anyone's down in bristol take a photo of the grave yes, i was just i was just thinking look. you know that's it's quite upsetting that it's not in london because yeah, i would have loved to have seen that central bristol she is in a little place called henbury um okay. a church there called st mary's church um well, i'm sure we can dig up a picture online of uh, of her grave but um mm. i mean what a fantastic thing to, to have on your grave and do you know how she died she was what 60 um, flu. she was taken by uh, by flu wow yeah gosh well alex thank you very much indeed for that no worries my pleasure thank you very much podcast pedestal and now uh we have to choose we do choose we our do. pick podcast for pedestal. podcast pedestal right what are you gonna go for um i think actually I usually take a little while to kind of think about this, but I'd like to go for, um, I can't remember what, what you said the name of the symbol is, but the symbol upon her grave, which the connects ankh. to the ankh. Yeah. Um, which connects to Egyptology. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I'd like to go for that because, yeah. you know, to take that image to her grave you know, that must have been a very important part of her 
an important part of her life. So I think, how are we spelling that, Alex? It's A-N-K-H. A-N-K-H. Yeah, the ank on her grave. I think yeah. I'm going to go for that. All right. Okay. I mean, if you're going to take a symbol from your life, isn't that a fantastic one to take? Mm, yeah. Sod words, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So I have to say one of my favourite ones is Spike Milligan's, uh, Spike Milligan's, um, I told you I was sick. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. I told you I was sick. Well, I think I'm going to go for something um, slightly random. Mm. So if you remember, they go off to Egypt when uh, their walking tour in France gets essentially flooded out. Mm. So I'm going to go for this sounds really weird the heavy rain in france that, oh. that pushed them to change plans and go to somewhere that she'd never planned to go before gosh well it just if, if that hadn't happened we you know she wouldn't have been there and it goes to show you you know it only takes a couple of rain clouds or yeah. <laughs> you know to change your whole direction in life so yeah i think that's that's a very good one actually yeah so i'm gonna go for the the heavy rainstorm that uh changed their more change their path it's kind of like a monsoon i think went yeah. on for a week <laughs> yeah, essentially the the bad weather that changed uh, changed their plans yeah nice and i'm gonna go for the ank fabulous i like it yay. yay so um please make sure guys you go on instagram and vote um, it will be up, yeah it'll be up on sunday so i'll put it on mine alex will have it on hers and we'll also yeah. have it on the ladies who london podcast as well so please do let us know what you think and you can always uh, email us your vote if you like at ladies uh, who London at gmail.com. Yes. If, you, if you're not really an Instagrammer and you fancy dropping us a line instead, not a problem. Not a problem. Get stuck in. Get stuck in. Yeah. Right. Well, before we spin the wheel, um, have you got anything coming up? You have, haven't you? So I've got my my dark tour. <laughs> <laughs> um which is this coming sunday so sunday the 24th it's at seven o'clock it's for one hour and um yeah i'm going to be talking about murder i'm going to be talking about sex i'm going to be talking about um just deliciously dark things that have happened in london um so if you want to book you can book on guideemily.com or at the london tourgroup.com yep. and just to say as well um for valentine's day i know this is a little bit away but um the london tour group we're going to be putting out a free tour for valentine's day um so is it a lover's tour or have you gone the other way and you've gone for for dark and gory yes yeah (laughs) i need to like balance myself out a little bit here um but yes i'll give you more information about that in the next couple of weeks valentine's day is utter tosh so i always like uh, with, with my friends we get together for a galentine's and we usually have bloody steak and we watch uh, some kind of slasher flick it's great fun uh so we have to do that virtually this year but uh oh that's brilliant watching a horror movie on valentine's day right? what could be better i know <laughs> uh. Lovely. Well, um, listen, I've got my Tudor puzzle box, which is launched. So please go and have a look at that. I yes. will have some virtual tours up soon. In fact, I'm going to send out an email to my uh, mailing list with a few choices. So you can select, uh, I'll give you eight topics, but like we did last time um, and I'll pick um, the, the top four uh, we'll, we'll end up doing. So I'll send that out and I'll probably pop it on socials as well. Um, but uh, yes, keep an eye out for that. But I also want to tell you about uh, the lovely 
Ben Morales Frost, who does our jingle, who we love. Hi, Ben. Um, he I mentioned this last week, but he wrote, he's written a few musicals. Uh, one of them is The Sorcerer's Apprentice, and it was due to be staged, literally staged in, in London during January and February. But they are doing it online instead. So from the 26th of February to the 14th of March, you can go and watch it on stream.theatre. Um, it is paying, but it's it's totally affordable. Um, and it, when I saw it a couple of years ago in development, it was fantastic. So I'm really excited to see it. So 26th of February to the 14th of March. Um, give Ben a little bit of love. Yeah. Excellent. The Wheel of Destiny. All right. It's will okay. Time. It's will time. Woo-hoo. Thankfully, this time of the week comes round pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't want to start having about the week and withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> um, okay, so it's it's obviously my pick it's next yours. week. Any so, uh, hopes? Any dreams? Any? Uh... Um, I feel like I haven't spoke about a person for quite some time now. So I think wherever it lands, I'm going to try and talk about a person I know. <laughs> so <laughs> off we go okay oh right well it hasn't landed on this area before Alex oh, you'll be pleased not Westminster <laughs> not Westminster not Bow not Southwark um it's landed in Bloomsbury oh okay um, now there are lots of people to talk about in Bloomsbury. There are a lot Bloomsbury of people. Group um, who are a bunch of creatives, people like Virginia Woolf, Leonard Bell, and all sorts of people. Um, kind of your area, you like that sort Oscar of Oscar Wilde like their stories, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, do you know? I think actually. I might talk about Charles Darwin. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. He has, the very famous biologist, he has connections to Bloomsbury. And actually, I don't know how you feel about this, Alex, but do you think it's time to get somebody else on our podcast? A guest? Yes. Who are you thinking? Are you thinking Dr. Aaron Hunter? I'm thinking Dr. Aaron Hunter. (laughs) The Hunter. Do it. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, because Aaron um, is a well, he's, he's, he's a, a doctor. <laughs> he's a doctor. I don't know what he does. He's, <laughs> he's always got bones in his bag. That one. Dino doc. <laughs> Dino doc. Um, and so yeah, I think I might try and get him on to, um, to kind of tag team a bit. Of Charles Darwin. Yay! Yay. Guess. We've been a guest for a while, haven't we? So uh, yeah, it's been a little while. Like a fab choice. Brilliant. Excellent. Can't wait. Darwinian fabulousness next week. Yes, indeed, indeed. Wonderful. Well, listen, that's it for us from this week. It is for us from this for from us from this week. What am I? I can't. I can't speak anymore. <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> Lockdown's making my brain go funny. Um, but that's it. Yeah. So uh, thank you all for coming and listening. Let us know what you think. Give us a, a you know give us a shout and um, please like, subscribe, all of that stuff. Yes, please. Um, I know some of you have been passing it on to friends again, which is uh, really lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we will see you next week for Charles Darwin. Bit of Charles Darwin. Have a lovely week, everybody. Have a lovely week. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Charles. All right, Charles, you can go now. See you later, everybody. <laughs> was, was, he a, was he a sort of whiskey drinking gangster from the Midwest? <laughs> Is that what he was? See you later. Good night. <laughs> anyway, goodbye, everybody. Uh, goodbye. Thank you.